Good morning, baseball fans. It is Sunday, the 12th of November, and this hot stove is very, very, very hot. Like it's off season, but it's like not the off. I mean, it's off season, but the stove is cooking. Okay. Uh, I am Susie. This is Bourbon and Baseball. And guys, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to introduce my new co host. You may have seen her before, you may have heard her before, Kelsey Bird. Come on down. So excited, guys. I'm so excited. Um, you guys have seen, heard Kelsey before. She's been a guest on the show. And now you guys get to hear her literally every week. Every week you get to hear her. Oh my gosh. Me. Lucky you. I Here know. I am. I'm thrilled. <laughs> if you can't get enough of Kelsey, you can go listen to Kelsey on her own podcast, Peace, Love, and Baseball. Okay. She has graciously agreed to be my new co-host and i'm so excited oh, my pleasure i'm so excited to talk to someone other than myself regularly about all the happenings in baseball so thank you for bringing me on board i'm very happy to be here i'm i'm so excited so let's um let's jump right in let's jump right in uh with the warning first because i always forget the warning Guys, it's a rated R podcast. It is a rated R podcast for all of the adult content and not not that kind of adult content, like the adult content with like language. Okay. Cause I'm gonna drop some F bombs. Um lots, lots of F bombs, lots of cuss words, probably some some inappropriate adult humor, because that's who I am as a person. And um, so if you have any, you know, impressionable tiny minds, ears listening, you may wanna not. Just saying. Just saying like yeah quiet their minds okay like don't uh, don't come for me don't come for me uh if yeah, ben they, they learned things all right um or if you yourself do not enjoy cuss words or inappropriate adult humor that totally okay uh this podcast may not be your jam though just again there's your warning so away we go and um it is probably a pretty good thing that i gave you guys that warning because we're gonna start off with the uh literal shitty winter meetings else. yeah yeah it was not not pretty. It sounds like on maybe the second of the third day of yeah. the GM meetings that were in Scottsdale, Arizona this past week, that half at least of, yeah. of the executives there came down with, I think what they initially thought was food poisoning, but then it came out that like some of the people that were sick didn't eat the same things. Yeah. So they ended up determining that it was some sort of like norovirus sort yep. of thing. Yep. Like the, the the kind of illness, I guess, that's typically associated with being on a cruise ship, right? Um, I, I don't know if it's a cruise ship, but essentially, essentially, someone, someone went to the bathroom and wiped and didn't wash their hands. Oh. And it's so yeah, essentially. I don't want to think about it that way, but wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how it happens, isn't it? It's a literal, it's literal shit. Like someone, someone wiped and didn't wash their hands and then touched food mm. and and so on and so forth. Did we and learn so, nothing from the yeah. pandemic? Uh, oh. mm -mm, nope. We we've we've forgotten to wash our hands apparently. Like I saw someone referred to them on Twitter as the GI meetings. I thought that was pretty <laughs> clever. <laughs> yeah, so the rest of the meetings I guess were held via Zoom. Like <laughs> Yeah, they wrapped them up early. A lot of the media got out of there cuz there was yeah. Yeah, nothing to cover anymore. What I thought was interesting, though, is it seems like the the GM meetings, because these are actually like pre-winter meetings, which are going to happen the first week of December. And from what I have heard uh, baseball execs talk about and just kind of the rumblings around is that maybe these meetings will ultimately be phased out because... Mm -hmm. 
it used to happen because this was really one of the only like three times throughout the year that all of the baseball executives were together. And it was like straight conversation, get straight down to the point because this is our time to interact. But with, you know, technology and they're constantly texting back and forth these days, it's like, how imperative really are these meetings now? So maybe this was like the sign from the baseball guys that we don't really need GM meetings anymore. Right. I don't know. But I thought that was interesting. Well, I don't so I don't know if it's if it's commonplace for the players to go to these meetings, but I want to say I know at least like Matt Chapman, I guess, was there me, talking to some of the GMs, you know, um, was third baseman for the Blue Jays is now a free agent, um, you know, before that was with the A's. So, again, I don't I don't know. And then like last season, you heard that, you know, Arson Judge, I mean, Aaron Judge went to some of the meetings to exactly uh to go um you know like meet with execs and stuff so i you know i don't know i don't know if it's a one-stop shop yeah i mean it is a place where you know all the people who are going to be there so it does give you that kind of like access to them but i don't think it's super common that the players go but i would assume you know all their agents are there right but it probably depends on I'm sure certain players are more involved, directly involved with their negotiations than others. And right. uh, Matt Chapman lives, I think, in Scottsdale. So, okay. I mean, if I was him and, you know, everybody right. was in town, I'd right probably there. pop over and say hey, too. But, yeah, um, it is interesting. So this and this is not on our notes, Kelsey, and I'm sorry. I meant to put it on our notes, but I have I have a question for you. Yeah. So like you mentioned, all of the agents at these meetings. Right. Mm-hmm. Scott mm-hmm. Boris literally being one of the most famous of the agents is known for his really bad like dad jokes slash puns yeah my question is is this an actual marketing strategy by scott boris to create these really really shitty puns slash dad jokes so that we fucking talk about him more yeah, I thought initially that you were actually just going to ask me is like, was were her was it his shitty jokes that actually made everyone <laughs> sick? Because yeah. that I could totally see as well. But yes, one hundred percent, I do think that a huge part of his persona is about attention and exposure for him. I mean, it's why we know right. his name. Do you know any exactly. other agents' names? Because I don't off the top of my head. Yeah, yes. no, I, like, I can kind of tell you like. Maybe some of the like the management like groups themselves, maybe like, oh, that 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 company represents yes. that player. Yes. But as of, you know, like besides besides Scott Boris and maybe like yeah hours agent like that's really the yeah only other and one i certainly I couldn't know. see them and like know who they are you know yeah. but yeah no he's all about number one obviously and i mean he Every year, supposedly, he asks uh, Major League Baseball if he can use like the main stage or whatever setup they have to address everyone and have his like media time. And every year they say no. So he sets up in the lobby and tells the media when he's going to be there and makes his own show. And this year he actually brought his own little step and repeat behind him and like set up shop and made it the Scott Boris show. So 
yeah um, what other reason is there for it like he's it is like his personality it is actually his dream to be like the top podcaster clearly he's listening to us right now being like i wish i were you Susie. why why doesn't why doesn't he have his own podcast like i really i need to know these things but like so if you guys if you guys haven't heard of of his horrible horrible jokes this is this is one of, of <laughs> cody bellinger of you know now the chicago cubs chicago got the comforts of a full belly they're going to have to loosen their belt to keep bellinger and they spelled belly b-e-l-l-i obviously uh, and i'm all stop it just stop it and then um you know pete alonzo first baseman of the mets they're they're trying to figure out if, if the mets will extend him uh when it comes to the polar bear we're not in contract hibernation <laughs> just that was one of my favorites because polar bears don't hibernate they're like <laughs> one of the only bears probably in the town hibernate i'm not a bear expert but i immediately was like wait a second <laughs> not that i think scott cares about that for the purpose of the joke but wow oh that's awesome I yeah that. like who is do you think he's coming up with them he has a team i i think i think he, there's got to be a team there's no way that scott boris is coming up with his but he is that theory. kind of clever because like they they are clever but it's funny because the first time you you hear the first one and you're like oh did he like mean to do that right and then, right. And then he does it for every single player and, and by i think they kind of get progressively worse because you're like less impressed with it because you're like oh god what is he gonna yeah. say for jordan yeah. montgomery you know exactly <laughs> but you know but here we are talking about him talking Mission about whatever whatever for agent you know so i'm all that is that is the most brilliant marketing strategy like just let's yeah. talk let's do the shittiest <laughs> uh pun slash bad dad jokes yep. and let's get everybody let's get everybody into it i'm like hey hats off scott boris i mean you didn't uh, you didn't become ooh. a overnight millionaire billionaire billionaire i really do think his net worth is in the billions yeah I'm pretty it's sure. Probably getting close. I yeah. don't even want to know. <laughs> but yeah, he is he is an entertainer as well as an agent. So yeah, kudos so, for that, I guess. <clears throat> You're like uh, grudgingly, I will I will congratulate you. But yeah, I so have, yeah, I have a I have a deep seated disdain for people like Scott Boris. So <laughs> My question is though, like, because everyone, you know, is like, "Oh, he's a Scott Boris client." What? Why do we? Is it? Is it because of the dad jokes? Is it because he's so rich? Is it? I'm like, well, I, I, me personally, it's because I'm like a little bit jealous. I'm like, oh, I can only imagine. But no, like, he's skis. Like he, he will. He is notorious for only negotiating directly with owners because the team presidents and GMs are too smart to buy into the that's why he gets outrageous deals for his clients is because he acts like he's like too good like he's above talking to these baseball execs and he'll only talk to the owners because i mean he knows they're the ones that actually hold right. the strings right right so there's some valid that that's the validity to it and, and then the owners of course are all ego and like oh well yeah the top agent you know the best agent who represents like some of the best players in baseball wants to talk directly to me. It's all part of his shtick. And he's year over year. I mean, I think enough of them are catching on now. Right. But 10, 20 years ago, I mean, especially 20 years ago, he's been doing this for so long now. It 
it took a while. It took way too long, in my opinion, for, for these owners to catch on and for the executives, I guess, to convince the owners, like, you being played over <laughs> and over and over right. again. Right. And I, I do think that that's why, you know, I have no ill will towards Carlos Correa in particular, right. but I was all too happy to see him not get the insane amount of money that he was initially going to get because because I didn't want to see Scott Boris pull one over on someone again. <laughs> so that's my I guess that's like my my basic beef with him. Gotcha. Is, gotcha. Yeah, he's a he's a con man. OK, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. All right. Um. Well, so we'll see. We'll see what actually happens, Um. you know, with with all of those free agents. I mean, oh, I yeah. think he's got pretty much all of the. He has a lot of starting pitchers. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of the big Um, names. Like really the only, really the biggest name, Shohei Otani, is really the only one that he doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, So congratulations, Shohei Otani, for not not signing with Scott Boris. Yeah, Shohei does not give me Scott Boris vibes. Neither does Jordan Montgomery, though, either, honestly. It's weird. There are some players where I'm like, like Carlos Correa, for example. I'm like, totally, you are a Scott Boris client. Juan Soto. 100%. 100%. Pete Alonso, match made in yes. heaven. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. Some of those I'm all, because like, now I know, I know. Like other people will be like, uh-huh. Like Jose Altuve is a Scott Boris client. And I'm all, I'm sorry. Ooh, yeah, like, I wouldn't have necessarily yeah, seen that that's... one. But he also is notorious for poaching from other agencies, which is what he yeah. just did with Pete Alonso. So that's the other reason why, like, I get it. There are people who really admire those sorts of things. And and I admire good business. And that's where I fall in between on a lot of these things where I'm like, I, you can't blame anybody for wanting to make the most money and blah, blah, blah. But I personally, for me, maintaining that certain level of integrity is still really important. And he just has no, there's no line with him. Yeah. So I'm like, really Jose Altuve like I didn't I didn't see that one I didn't see yeah. that one coming at all but like but uh you know he's he's best friends with Lance McCullers Jr. Lance McCullers Jr. is a Scott Boris clan I'm uh, like yeah no I see that one reigns them in see that one right. so but yeah I, it's 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 really interesting to see like which which of the free agents are Scott Boris clans and, and which aren't and so you're like oh all right how how long until Shohei Otani is a Scott Boris yeah you know, like you got you gotta imagine that that Scott Boris oh, was like trying real hard, you know, real hard, trying, like, for over, sure. you know, mm-hmm. so, um, but so let's, um, let's move on to, uh, Ron Washington and the Angels. Yeah. Like, hooray. Yeah. Hooray, Ron Washington. That's just like some, I, I feel like there's all good vibes around that news. Right. It is a little weird. The only like, weirdness i guess around it is because it's the angels right so we're like yeah. did Artie moreno actually do something good for the angels uh, you know did he make a good decision that might actually help his team win like that's what's confusing about it other than yeah. that it's like hell yeah ron washington is finally getting his time in the sun no one has anything but wonderful things to say about him and he's that you know old school type of guy who is really able to maintain relationships and articulate mm-hmm. things from the analytic side to the players. He's got every angle that you could want in a good leader. Yep. So the only confusing part is like, oh, the angels. Yeah. Hmm. We're like, hmm, all right. Well, you know, now there there are uh there are a couple of, you know, managerial openings available, you know, Angels, Padres, Astros. Uh, you know, now 
to now the Brewers, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on that in just a minute. Um, it's, it's, but I, not going to lie, I was a little, I was a little confused now, you know, that I became a baseball fan in 2018. So going back and watching old MLB games and series and whatnot and finding out some of these people that I, that I kind of pigeonhole in my brain as like, okay, like Ron Washington is, you know, like the, the Braves like bench coach yeah. and like, you know, works the infield and all that. So when I, when I tell you that I was shocked to find that he was the Rangers manager at one point, I'm all, hold up. What now? How we, how we go from the, the Rangers manager yeah. to, to the Braves? Like what? And the, and people are like drugs, <laughs> drugs. I'm all, what? What are you talking about? That is story? What do you mean drugs? And they'll like Google it. I'm all don't tell me to Google. I was like, y'all, y'all can break my heart, aren't you? Absolutely. And I was like, oh, what is yeah, this? One of those like Santa isn't real moments. Another reason your kids shouldn't listen. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but that's what it is. That yeah, yeah. that it's it's kind of one of those. They're gonna cancel us now, Kelsey. And it's all your fault. <laughs> not because of shit, shit, fuck damn it. But no, no, <laughs> no, definitely not that. Yes, Santa. Yeah, that's 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 why they're gonna cancel us. But yeah, no, I was like, wait, hold on. Ron Washington was like, and they're like, oh yeah, no, just like mountains of cocaine. I'm all, stop talking to me about this. So I was very, I was very sad. Yeah. When I learned that fact, I was like, oh, all right. So, you know, like, yay, Ron Washington. Like, I'm glad that, you know, like things got turned around and, you know, you, you now get another chance to manage. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what they do with that infield, with like that Angels infield. And, um. I don't know if maybe he can turn Anthony Rendon around. Yeah. yeah, that's what I am most excited about too, is seeing how he is able to utilize their roster differently yeah. to hopefully make the most out of it. And a lot of it might start with those kinds of relationships and personalities. And you almost have to wonder, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about Mike Trout and is he going to get traded? Does he want to get traded? All that good stuff. But is this something that Mike Trout was like a part of? Was he right. brought into this conversation of of what kind of leadership do we bring in here to, you know, create a different environment? And right. just it's it's really one of the things that I think is cool. And we're gonna talk more about it with the other manager uh news this week as well. But I love this this narrative that like it matters who your yeah. manager is and this old school leadership and like the, the people's people yeah. are really the kind of guys that are finding success and that's yeah. not a change, you know, yeah. it, analytics doesn't change that that is still important. It's a yep. tool, not a different style completely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I, I'll be, I'll be really interested to see how, how the angels progress and, you know, like, cause last season, this time, I was looking at the angels and being like, Oh, the angels, like that they may be, they may be making some moves. Like that may be a thing in the ALS. Like, okay. Like, angel. and then they came out hot and then they fizzled. And so you're like, Oh, even quicker. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all right. So I'll, it'll be interesting to kind of keep a, keep an eye on that and see what, what happens there. Um, you know, and then we, and then we, we heard all about the drama <laughs> with Craig council going to, Going to the Cubs, and um, if you didn't, if you missed out on that that episode that that I recorded with the Brewers 
babes, you missed out because they're the best. Lisa and Aaron are fucking awesome. Yeah, like, they are good, good people. And I was like, I like them. I yeah, like they're them. awesome baseball fans. And they were the first people I thought like as much as I mean, I, as an NL Central fan myself, and I'm a huge Craig Council fan, like I had feelings, but <laughs> it was like, check on the Brewers. Babes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, if you guys missed that that episode, go watch that episode. Go listen to that episode. Very good time. Um, but yeah, Craig Council was the manager of the Brewers, long long time resident of Milwaukee. Like played for the like whole thing. Went and got yeah. got all of the monies from from the Cubs. All of the monies while while they still retained David Ross, Cubs. World World Series winning player for them. Uh, as their manager, they still had a manager and was like, hey, Craig Council, let's pay you some more money to come be our manager. So that's, you know, that's a little shady. Um, David it, was, Ross. it was even more interesting to be like, oh, because it, it's, it's different when someone is not doing the job well and it's very obvious that you're like looking to replace them. And that's when... Right managers get dismissed and fired and all that right. stuff but to be like oh no we just saw something better so we'll take that instead which means we yeah. no longer have room for you like that's yeah that's a different yeah. situation well and i i wasn't aware that it's it's basically history repeating itself over over with the cubs because apparently yeah. they they replaced um joe joe madden when yes. rick renteria i think so they yes. replaced rick renteria mm -hmm. with joe madden and then they replaced joe madden with with uh with David Ross. Yep. And then now they've replaced David Ross with with Craig Council. Like I don't know, maybe I don't know, Cubs, maybe maybe someone would think twice about taking the managerial job um for the Cubs because fuck a contract like don't matter. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's just interesting the way I mean firing managers is common. It's part of the job like you haven't right. really been a major league manager until you've gotten fired from your job. Like it's just part of it which I get, but I don't necessarily love, yeah. but just because of the optics of it and like it's, it makes it seem so unrelatable in the sense of like, this is still someone's job. Like, yeah. what if you got fired from your job every two years? How would you handle that? Like, these are yeah. people, <laughs> but it is, it's the nature of the position. It's the nature of the business of yeah. baseball. But yeah, the whole, like, it's one thing to be fired and then know that like, obviously they're going to replace you with someone. <laughs> But to to quite literally just be like, oh, we saw the next big shiny thing and we'll take that instead. Like just constantly looking for an upgrade, I guess. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. So then if um, but my question was, if Craig Council was like, JK, you you can't there is no amount of money that you can pay me to leave the Brewers. Would they have just stayed with David Ross? Like, yes, I, yeah, I don't think that they were like looking to get rid of him. It really seems as if he was available. And if, if it, it's kind of like Juan Soto, like the Juan Soto trade Palooza last year, where it was like, oh, I never would have necessarily, like, you don't even really fit on my team. You don't necessarily make sense. But if somebody like Juan Soto is available, if right, somebody like just, Bryce Harper is available, yeah. somebody like Mike Trout is available, like you figure it out, you know, right. you're at least going to put your hat in the ring. And what I really like about it is the same thing that we were talking about with Ron Washington 
is I like that it says this position matters, leadership matters. And we're as a, a big market team, like who already had a manager who was, you know, for all practical purposes, working out just fine for us. And this is the difference maker is, is this guy and his level of leadership and it's worth us bringing him in. So I really liked that about it. And the, and the fact that, yeah, the contract that he signed, like, I don't, I, I understand like it's about the money for everyone to a certain extent, but I, I do think that there is some validity to it being an important step for all managers to be valued at a certain level. And I like that about it, even as a Cardinals fan, (laughs) I I was like, I guess I'll say the other thing I like about it. This is how I'm really trying. I've been working on turning this around for myself, Susie. Okay. Because I love Craig Council and uh-huh. I want to see him do well and I want to see him prove that leadership matters. I just really don't want to see him do it with the Cubs, obviously. But I do think what it does is it forces – the Cubs just said the NL Central Division is leveling up. And right. either you're coming or you're not. So right. Reds, Brewers, Cardinals – Pirates, maybe eventually someday get on board. Let's go. Cause I'm sick of this narrative that, which is, is not even a narrative. It's just true to a certain extent that the NL central is one of the weaker divisions in baseball and that the Cardinals are able to get into the playoffs by default. We as fans, like that's in the long run, that's just not the kind of baseball that we want to see. We want it to be more competitive for the right reasons. And I'm, that is to me the the bomb that the Cubs just dropped. So I am hopeful that John Mozeliak is is hearing that and embracing the challenge and and ready to take it head on. So that is how I've reframed it for myself. Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. But uh, you were surprised to learn that like the Cubs and the Brewers have a rivalry, right? <laughs> My mind was blown when I it's when I, so I was like, together. It's kind of like the the Astros and the Rangers, I guess. Well, but see, I mean, they're no. in the same division. So, kind of, like the, it. I mean, just this season, it's become a a, a rivalry because gotcha. for you know, for so long, I say for so long, up until you know, like 2016, the Rangers basically just beat up on the Astros, and then the Astros were like, "JK, we got this now." And yeah. now yeah. it's like. Now it's reversed. Now. Um, but in my, I was like, I'm sorry, why? But it's a whole different, again, because Texas, it's, everything is so close yet so far. Um, I was like, wait, Chicago is Chicago Cubs. That's it's a whole, it's a whole other state. And then again, like in my brain, all of the, all of the states up there just kind of float and they're not yeah. next to each other. Like, <laughs> I don't, okay. And some all, I don't understand. And then, and then they're like, yeah, it's like an hour away. Well, oh, just kidding. But see yeah. that so but in my head again like the Cubs and the and the White Sox should be a rivalry and everyone's like eh, it's not really and they are like, but really. but it's yeah. apparently not to the level of the no. the Cubs and the Brewers okay so again doesn't make sense to me but also again we all know you know Susie is not that Asian okay uh geography also not not a not a strong point for me and <laughs> Oh, this it's gonna be a good story. So remember when I told you that I had a story about the Kansas City Royals? Yes. Okay. When I tell you that my mind was blown that the Kansas City Royals are not actually in Kansas, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, hold on. What do you mean? 
And it was so funny because I was talking to my husband about like the Kansas City Royals, and I was like, "Well, yeah, no, like Kansas has a Kansas has a st- like has a st- has a team. Like, what are you talking about?" And he goes, "What? <laughs> what do you mean?" And I go, "What do you mean? What do I mean? Can't they can't? Do we not remember the Kansas Literally City Royals?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, baby, no, no. <laughs> you remember? You remember the Kansas? You remember how Kansas City? There's like two Kansas Cities. I was like, you shut the fuck up right now. You mean to tell me this entire time I was thinking it was Kansas City, Kansas has a fucking team, the Kansas City Royals, that it's Kansas City, Missouri?" He's like, "Absolutely, Susie." And I was like, "Oh, fuck!" And I go, "Hold on, hold on. So you, you mean to tell me that the that, that the Cardinals?" And, and he's like, oh, sweet baby. And he just like, <laughs> patted my head. And I was like, don't fucking touch me. And I was like, what is happening? I was like, so Missouri just has all the teams. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so, but like St. Louis, like the Cardinals are not fucking rivals with the, with the Royals. Are they? Or do I just not know? No. I mean, not the same way that they are with the Cubs. Because quite honestly, St. Louis is almost in Illinois. Like St. Louis is on the border of Illinois okay. and Missouri. So, and yes, so I guess the easiest way to explain it that would make a lot of sense in terms of the Brewers Cubs rivalry is I live about nine miles from Wrigley Field right now. I live about 80 miles from American Family Field. It would take okay. me the same amount of time to drive to Wrigley Field and park and get in the stadium as it would to drive to American Family Field and park and get in the stadium. <laughs> so I've gone to American Family Field a lot more recently because of that. Okay. And also the tickets are half the price and all the food is half the price. And like, it's just a much more enjoyable experience because their ballpark is newer and more spread out and, you know, no shade towards Wrigley, but it actually costs more to park at American Family Field on the games where they play the Cubs because that's how much of an influx there is. Ah, okay. Okay. In yeah. terms of fans, uh, Cubs fans coming up to the stadium. And that would have been if they, I really wanted them to play the wild card series against each other, which absolutely could have happened. Yeah. I mean, it were like one game off from being yeah. in that position instead of the Diamondbacks because, yeah, it would have been, it would have been crazy up there. And it honestly, it probably would have been more like a Cubs home game at American family field because ah, okay. Cause that's how many more cub fans there are in general and how easy it is for, for us to get up there. And by us, I mean, I'm not a Cubs fan, but you know, us in Chicago to get up there. The Chicagoans, Chicagoites, Chicago. I don't, what, what, what are Chicago people? Chicagoans. Chicagoans. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I'm just learning all kinds of things, all kinds of things, guys. All the good things there are to learn about the Midwest. Right. So, um, yeah, so going on payroll. Yeah, speaking of the Midwest. You know, spe- yeah, speaking of the Midwest and like and payroll and Chicago, uh, the the White Sox, the Chicago White Sox, has they have all kinds of things going on with them besides besides sucking. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> their, their GM basically came out and was like, everyone sucks. Just come on. Come on and get them. On, That's probably. not what he actually said. But um. But essentially, he's he said something to the effect of, I don't like anyone on this team. Yeah. Like, how? My, I'm, I'm wondering, like, Dylan Cease is just scrolling Twitter one day with his cat. Right. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck, bro? What? <laughs> you know, like, I need, yeah. I need, I need, uh, I need player reactions here. I need player reactions. But I mean... <laughs> When, you know, the the largest contract that the team has ever fucking signed is to Andrew Benintendi, like, what are you doing? 
So, sure. I feel you. I, 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 I also don't like many of the, the lights on. Right, right. I can't say I'm super excited about anyone on the team either. No. They traded away Jake Berger and he was like my reasons to watch the White Sox. It's so funny because like the week before they traded him, uh-huh. I went to the White Sox were playing the Cardinals. I went to the game and I said to my husband, like, I don't know what it is about him, like talking about Jake Berger, but I'm like, I really like him. And he just uh-huh. does not fit in with this team. <laughs> like he has yeah. different vibes are on a different level. Yeah. And I was so excited to see him get to go and play for the Marlins. But yeah, I think the only response to that is for the players to make a TikTok of like a reaction TikTok of all of them like scrolling through Twitter and seeing Chris Getz. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> we're just like out here just catching strays now. Um, you know, and it, and it had come out earlier earlier in the season during like the trade deadline and whatnot that a lot of the players were were unhappy with like with the the vibes essentially. Yeah. You know, like the the player atmosphere and <clears throat> excuse me, things like that and. You know, Jose Abreu uh, leaving and going to, you know, coming to the Astros and being their first base. And I don't I I didn't think that that move was going to be apparently as detrimental to the White Sox as as it has, I guess, because from everything that I had heard and read, uh, Jose Abreu basically was like the glue in that in that clubhouse and like the dad and just kind of kept everybody in line I can and see that. Yeah. because he's no longer there um not and nobody really stepped up to kind of fill that role mm-hmm. and I don't even and I don't even know like who I guess would fill that role I mean maybe Tim Anderson but Tim Anderson has had his issues on and off the yeah. field um and I'm like Okay, and you know Luis Robert was there, and Juan Moncada, and like, which which White Sox player? I think they asked which White Sox they asked one of the White Sox players about it, and he's like, "I'm not here for that. I'm here to play baseball." It's yeah. basically like the leadership, and he's like, "Yeah, that's not me." I'm all, "Oh, okay then." Was it um? It wasn't Luis Robert. I want to say it was one of the other ones. Maybe it was Juan Moncada. Yeah. I am not sure. I didn't hear about that, but I'm not surprised. And here's, I guess, what I think about that. And I will tie this back to a conversation that happened a lot around Manny Machado and the Padres as well Mm -hmm. during this season is I think you need that guy or those guys like that is very important. And I have no doubt that that is a part of what has gone wrong for the White Sox since Jose Abreu left. But you can't force any one guy to be that guy. You have to find that guy. Like you have to find that guy and let him be that guy. But expecting somebody like Tim Anderson, who I hope for him, they did not pick up his option. I hope for him that he gets a pillow deal somewhere and he can grow up and that we can see him be that kind of a guy. Because I do see that like in him. He just Mm -hmm. doesn't, I don't know if it's the the maturity or like who knows what he has going on off the field you know but oh did you not hear about the baby mama drama oh no oh, yeah okay so yeah. he does have some personal stuff that that reads yeah i yeah. i can sense that you know <laughs> yeah that was but, that was the whole thing yeah there's there's okay. a there's some baby mama drama going on there and that's and i i was shocked to hear that because i hadn't heard that with any like from anybody until i did some research and i was like whoa okay tim anderson like what 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 you doing over there yeah so tim anderson has has had a child 
not not with his actual wife. Ooh, a whole other yeah. a mm. whole other person, lady that's that's like on the social medias posting the baby and pictures of of her and Tim Anderson. Okay. So, you know, like the that whole drama and then like the whole, you know, like fight with Jose Ramirez mm -hmm. of the Guardians like that. Those were like, oh, Tim Anderson. That's, that's so he so he had some off off the field issues that I think affected him performance wise on the field, not anywhere else. That on the field. A lot of sense. <laughs> Clearly, um, yes. But yeah, I I guess ultimately what I'm saying is I think that is still an organizational problem yeah. because that's something that you have to take into consideration. Again, like analytics are not the only thing that are important about building a team. They are important, yeah. but they are not the only thing. And there are some things that you can't see on paper that you have to consider when building a team. And obviously the entire White Sox organization from the top is and has been problematic. And the biggest thing that I've seen from them over the last couple of seasons that I would critique is that they've become obsessed with pointing the finger of blame of saying like, it's Tony La Russa. Oh no, it's Tim Anderson. Like, yeah. mm, come on guys. Or like, it's, you know, their entire front office yeah. that they fired. And instead of taking some ownership and actually making changes, they didn't even yeah. interview outside of their organization to replace their front office. And that's just a bad look. Right. You don't want to collaborate or bring people in that have other perspectives and, and different kinds of knowledge than you have. So best of luck to them, I guess. Yeah. Is there any players on the White Sox that you would take for the Astros right now? Anybody you're interested in? Uh, you know, I, in a like imaginary situation where they're not wanting to fleece us, I will take a Dylan Cease and I will take a Luis Robert Jr. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of people are like, give me Louis, like everyone's like, give me Luis Robert Jr. Put him in center field. I'm all y'all motherfuckers need to back off. OK, that is Chaz McCormick's spot. <laughs> Chaz McCormick, you right here. Right. <laughs> until like further notice. OK, can we just let Chaz cook in center field and show us or not show us? And that's fine. Okay, but until until the, until the motherfucker gets an actual real chance there, I need y'all to like lay the fuck off. That's that's it right there. Okay, anyways, but yeah, that's I mean, I'll take I would take Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr. Everybody else, I'd be like, mm, no, thank you. You can stay over there. Yeah, but I feel the same. Dylan Cease, I think, is a really interesting fit for the Cardinals, but I like cannot even consider it or think about talking about it because of the whole they need a shortstop thing and like do not even say Tommy Edmonds name I can't think about it okay we need to move on because I'm starting to get okay, really upset okay, again that's okay we will move on we will we will move on because um not only not only is you know the the manager saying or the GM saying hey you know come get our players uh the Detroit Tigers also went and hired Jason Benetti who is their play-by-play um, long time play by play, uh, eight seasons announcer. And not only has, has he been the, the announcer for the White Sox for the last eight seasons, but he grew up loving the White Sox. He is a White Sox, the White Sox fan. fan. Yeah. And the Detroit Tigers now have him. And now I was, I was a little, I was a little shocked, not going to lie, uh, because listening, listening to broadcasters, like the home broadcasters talk about the game and talk about how they talk about like listening, listening to how they talk about other teams. 
I've lost respect for some broadcasts and I've gained yeah. respect for some broadcasts. Yeah. And every time I listened to a White Sox game, I was always very, very impressed by the professionalism and the humor that that Jason Benetti had. Absolutely. And apparently it came out that Jerry Reinsdorf wasn't a fan of Jason Benetti and didn't like his humor. I'm all, Jerry Reinsdorf, you need to go get your fucking head checked because Jason Benetti is a precious, precious soul. Like, what is the matter with you? Is is really, you know, if I ever got the chance to, to ask Jerry Reinsdorf a question, that would be the question. What the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think he obviously just doesn't share our great sense of humor, clearly. Uh, clearly. But it is. It's kind of the same thing as, I mean, the Craig Council, like Homer guy who you'd never expected to leave. And mm -hmm. you've got to assume that on some level, just like Craig Council, that it's not, it's ultimately not about money. There were other reasons that they weren't, that he, both of them, but yeah. you know, specifically Jason in this case was not happy there and seeing the other things going on in within that organization, we could talk about it right. for the next right. hour of all of the potential reasons why he was ready to move on. But it's exciting to see someone like him yeah. who, as you said, is, you know, no, there is, you won't find anyone who has a bad word to say about him within the industry of people who've worked with him and he's going to have a lot of success for years to come. It's just going to be interesting to see him with the Tigers now instead yeah. of the White Sox, but they got a good one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I so you know, going going along those lines of like listening to other, you know, broadcasts and stuff, there there are some games that I literally won't watch yeah. because of the broadcast team. Yeah. Um, and conversely, there are some games that I will tune into to listen to said broadcasters. Um, the I feel so bad saying this, um, but like the Tampa Bay Rays, like that is one of the ones that I just like won't listen to they are definitely valued differently and again that's that's has to be an organizational philosophy yeah. or choice because they are i mean they're the spokesperson of the franchise to mm -hmm. some extent you know like you would think that you would put a lot of value in that and a lot of analysis and consideration behind that when yeah. selecting that person and, and and how you pay that person but yeah. they don't necessarily get paid that way either and it, it's definitely one of those roles of where I think any job where there's a lot of uh, demands, there's a lot of people who want to do the job right. and you feel as the employer that you have the upper hand, the, there is a takeaway from the focus on quality because right. you're like, well, I could find someone to do it for less money and that's going to save me money. And that's what matters to me. And they might not be bad, right. but like the difference between, they just don't see the value in like having someone who who is at another level yep. like Jason Benetti. So yeah. I think that's really unfortunate because it happens in all worlds of business on so many ways of where we just don't value the the difference in the quality of person and their skill level yep. and are not willing to make that investment in them thinking like, well, the majority of my consumers are not going to notice. And so that doesn't make the difference for me. But I, I have to believe that especially these sorts of things like the person to person stuff, like it really does matter. Yeah. And I hope that, that it will continue to matter and that we're, we will eventually kind of turn the corner of where <laughs> we see the, the value in that again. Yeah. But yeah, obviously the White Sox are not valuing no. those person to person 
relationships. Yeah, not right a thing now, no and thing. It, it's showing White Sox. Yeah, you should probably get your heads out your asses. <laughs> heads out your ass. I don't know. I don't know if that's an old suggestion for you. Yeah. Please pull your heads out of your asses. Yeah. I'm like, in my head, I'm all, wait, hold on. So are you just pulling like the one head out of the one ass or is it like, or are they like, head? Head? yeah, yeah so mm. that's, I don't... that's, that's where my ADHD brain went. You're welcome for that's that visual. visual I didn't need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about, we'll talk about a little bit more of, of clubs reducing payrolls. Um, because I was a little shocked to read this, that the twins, the Minnesota twins that had just broken their, their, um, I don't know, like, 74 years it wasn't 74 years i don't remember how long the drought was but it's been a long fucking time since the minnesota yeah. twins had like won anything guys and they've just they just got into the playoffs like they're they're like here around mm-hmm. and 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 then it comes out that they're oh just kidding we're gonna reduce payroll what why are you gonna reduce payroll like this is your window you just you were just there but you know, going back to the your your comment of like the NL Central being like super weak, AL Central also worse. Maybe yeah. it's just the Central Division. Yeah, it's that Midwest penny pinching way, man. We just don't spend our money the same way here in the Midwest. No. I really believe there's something to it uh, in that sense. But the other thing that was tied directly to that I saw was. Uh, Valley Sports and the Diamond Sports Group okay. going to bankruptcy, and so they can't rely on their TV deal. And because of that, that is that is like the direct correlation of, oh, okay, we have to cut our payroll. And that is going to be another one of the biggest stories of the offseason is how this all these TV deals yeah. affect teams and uh, affect, you know, obviously our ability to consume the game that we so love. Yeah. But yeah, I still think it's surprising that they're not going to figure that out because you, you you've already made this level of investment, yeah. you've gained ground, you've seen the progress that you wanted to see. So yeah. like, what are you, that? yeah, I, I, apparently, well, you know, and three of their starting pitchers are free agents this yeah. season and I'm pretty sure they're not resigning, um, you know, Sonny Gray or right. Maeda, you know, like is Pablo Lopez? No, no, he's not. But Hey, if they wanted to trade him, right. Like, they <laughs> Right. Get in line. So, yeah. Who knows what, what they're going to do in order to make that happen. I'm not sure the amount of payroll they have coming off or if they are going to have to trade away players as well, but they have so many great fans up there in yeah. Minnesota too. Like it seems like a really great fandom and baseball town. So it's a bummer for the fans yeah. more than anything to hear that. Um, If you are a Minnesota twins fan listening to this, please drop your comments slash slash like suggestions um let us know how you feel because i i i honestly would love to know that that is one of the fan bases that i don't i i don't think i have anyone that i know on my i got a twin fan sherry she's a great follow okay well i'll throw her your way but i would love to hear sherry twins fans you out there let us know how you're feeling who are you worried about losing with this news coming out because yeah Um, I'm, i'm not super connected or you know into the twins as an organization but i want to say they got a lot of young i think they have a lot of young talent like ready to come up so i'm I'm wondering if they'll plug holes there um like jorge polanco i know they're thinking trade rumors is jorge polanco and like max Mm -hmm. kepler um i would take max kepler in a heartbeat just so that i could stare at him i don't actually 
that's really mean to say, but yeah, he's not, he's not the player that that's going to move the needle on the playing side for yeah. me. Okay. Like me staring at him all day. Absolutely. Okay. Like, but player wise, not so much, but I want to say that those two names are being floated around to, um, as like trade bait, I think. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was interested in that. I was like, okay. So twins fans, if you're there, hit us up. Cause I would love to know. And then, um, going from a team that apparently the manager doesn't like anybody on their team, going to a manager that apparently thinks that they're really fucking good. Kelsey, they're really fucking good. And I don't, the New York Yankees are really fuck. We're pretty fucking good. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, did you, did you watch the same team that, 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 that I watched last season? What's, what's happening there? What's so, what, yeah. What's if you don't on? know what we're talking about, Brian Cashman, who is, I don't even know what his title is these days. He's the president of baseball ops. I think for the New York Yankees, he's been, he yeah. has been running the Yankees, whether it's GM or pres president for, you know, since the, the late nineties now and he spoke with the media very candidly he has mm -hmm. not we haven't heard from him in a while he hasn't talked to anybody in a while so maybe this was just you know all pent up but he was yeah. very quick to defend his team and in particular his analytics department because one of the big things that we keep hearing about the Yankees like in, in critique of the Yankees is that they are too focused on analytics and making their decisions to run their team which I just think it's funny in itself because I don't see that right. like, on what planet. Yeah. But anyway, um, he wanted to, you know, he's very eager to point out that the Yankees have the smallest or one of the smallest analytics departments in, in the American league. Yeah. So whether or not that's true or how he was even, you know, not money wise or, you know, manpower wise, I'm not really sure what he was talking about, but I think on either side, that's, Probably not really true. The Yankees yeah. don't have the smallest of anything. I'm yeah. sorry. They just don't. It's it's not actually true. I think it um by like literal payroll and like their actual um analytics department, like managing like payroll on on the New York Yankees like website or whatever, I want to say they have the second largest. Yeah. That that reads a lot more yeah. than the smallest of anything. Yeah. But what was your read on that? Like, what did that really say to you? Because obviously he said a lot of very specific things, but but what did you? What was your biggest takeaway from that press conference with Brian Cashman? That I, that apparently he loves his team. He loves his team. He loves his players, and and it's it's everybody else's faults slash thinking that 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 they're not good. What? What is happening right now? I I was I was very I, I'm still I'm still quite confused and stuff on on what's happening over there and i know that all of my yankee fans are are also dazed yeah so. did yankees fans feel good about that like to me all it showed was that brian cashman is feeling the pressure and not just from the fan base yeah because i think you know they're not all sitting around on the back end being like Oh, those stupid fans. They don't really know right. what's going on. We all feel really good about it. We're on the same page here. Like, that's not what's happening in the Yankees right. front office right now. And that's what that said to me. Yeah. Was yeah. like the yeah, the pressure is cooking <laughs> for Brian Cashman. And he's I I don't know. I was surprised to see such a tenured and experienced 
executive kind of lash out that way. And right. one of the things that I think we as fans can get frustrated about is when the managers and executives are not super forthcoming and they they do a lot of uh, answering questions without answering the question. But that right. is still, and that is what we... I would rather see that, I guess, from them as a professional than to see them lash out the way that Brian Cashman did. Like I, to me, like that's, it's just not professional. It's not really the message that you want to send. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was, I was still like super confused. And like, I know a lot of Yankees fans were, were just like in disgust, shaking their heads. Like my timeline was filled of <laughs> of brian cashman just all of the i was like oh all right like let's let's see okay but it was I, I it'll be really interesting to see what happens for them in the offseason i know that they hired an outside agency to come in and review basically all yeah. of their um procedures and policies and whatnot and um you know cashman was quick to defend like his staff and saying that you know a lot of people have been uh, hired away from from the Yankees. And if they were not so uh, yeah. great, like, why would people, you know, so is and it even uh, with the Carlos? Players too. Like, he wanted yeah. to talk about, like, how well all these players have done, like, since they moved on from the Yankees. I'm like, bro, that's not yeah. helping your case. What are <laughs> you talking about? Yeah, I was like, that's not. They did better once they left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, I don't think that that means what you think it means, yeah, you know? Exactly. You know, like, is it Carlos? Carlos Gonzalez, maybe Carlos, Carlos something was one of their, was one of the Yankees bench coaches is now hired as like the Mets new, oh, new Mendoza, um, yeah, Carlos Mendoza. Mendoza. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, their new GM, like, or manager, excuse me, manager. manager. Yeah. Um, and so, well, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I guess that's good on you that you were hiring quality people. Sure. Maybe like, but okay. Yeah, like, when you have the most money to spend, that's yeah. the expectation. Yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's it it was. I was just kind of laughing in in and of itself, trying to figure out like what exactly Brian Cashman was smoking before you know, like he he started talking to everybody. But you know, well, and then it also kind of it makes you think like we're not going to see the Yankees do a whole lot in the off season because clearly he feels pretty good about, you know, they're, they're pretty fucking good. So one, one of the big, big, if not the biggest storylines of the off season is where is Shohei Otani going to sign? Do you think there's any chance that Shohei Otani signs with the Yankees? I don't think so. Where do you think, what is and- like, pick two favorites what are your two well, favorites for Otani? so here's here's my here's my thinking with Shohei Otani I actually I do I think that Shohei Otani wants the most money I I think the money is secondary for him I don't I do think yeah. that that's like a driving force for him he's gonna get I, a lot of money so he, yeah he is gonna get a lot of money that's a even given. though he won't be able to pitch next season yeah um so I think the drive for Shohei Otani is is glory and to be the best baseball player on the best baseball team. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, he is going to a contender, not an, a contender like this season slash next season. Yeah. Not a rebuilding team that will be contender in a couple of in a yeah. couple of years. So for me, that knocks out like 
a whole slew of teams, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's definitely not going to the Marlins. Like he's not going to the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Honestly, I. I know what you're going to say by the look on your face. (laughs) It hurts my soul down (laughs) to like the deepest of, of its core. Try to say it without barfing. You can do it. I can't. I take some deep breaths. I don't think I can. (laughs) That I, because <laughs> either one of these teams, either one of the teams, like my top two, either one of these teams, like kind of makes me want to barf. Yeah. One makes me want to barf a little bit more than the other, though. So mm-hmm. in my head, Shohei Otani is going to either the Rangers or the Dodgers. Yeah, I think realistically, that is that is probably the most likely. Like if I'm being practical, that's what makes the most sense. I totally agree with that. There is a part of me, I've said this before, and I still don't feel totally different about it, that thinks that for at least next year, he might still play with the Angels. I know that might sound crazy, but there's something, there's like a feeling inside of me. And this Ron Washington news only made me feel like, okay, that could actually happen. Realistically, like practically, the practical part of me is like, no, of course that doesn't make sense. Like all we've been talking about forever is how Shohei Otani needs to leave the angels. Right. Right. But I don't know, especially because of the fact that he is not going to pitch this next year. I could see him signing a shorter deal and betting on himself again, a season or two from now or signing a deal with, with a potential opt out and incentives, you know, based on how, his injury plays out and his recovery plays out, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And it maybe part of me is feeling that way because I don't want to see him go to the Dodgers. And I think that's like the other thing that makes the most sense. So I'm like, I, I would just rather see him stay with the angels than the Dodgers. If I'm being perfectly uh, yeah. honest. Yeah. No. T- t- yes. Absolutely. But, yeah. I, I don't know. And I don't like speculating things, especially when there's so many possible outcomes. Like if we narrowed it down, if you gave me five teams, then I would be like, okay, let's talk about it for an hour. But when there's so many different things that could happen, right? I'm kind of just like, wait until I have more information because I- I'm just going off a gut feeling really right. outside of that. Yeah. It's it. I mean, really like, you know, the Orioles aren't going to pay him. Right. Like, that's- right. That's not a team that right. he's going to And there's teams that he doesn't make sense for, like the Braves. Like, yeah, they might have the money and they're enticing and they're obviously going to continue to be contenders, but he just doesn't make sense for them to right. as an investment. And he doesn't yeah. fit in into what they've got going on. So, like, yeah, I think you can take them off the table. There, You, you could go down the line of the 30 teams and give, like, a percentage of, you know, chance – of who you think it makes right. the most sense but, for. But, you know, Shohei Otani to the Cardinals, you know, him and Lars being BFFs, like, let's go. If he was pitching, I would feel very differently about it. I still would say they're probably like 28th out of 30 teams to with a chance of signing him, but um, especially because he's not pitching, there is yeah. 0% chance the St. Louis Cardinals are going to sign Shohei Otani. What do you mean? That DH role is <laughs> wide open over there. I mean, wide open open and that we have like 10 different people who they want to slot in there on any given day. But the other, yeah, I think, I think it might be a while. It's going to be a while until we find out how that story ends. So we're going to have plenty of time to keep talking about it. 
But the thing that I think might happen sooner rather than later is finishing out filling these managerial holes. And one of the biggest ones is who's going to manage the Houston Astros in 2024. So I want to know who you want to manage the Astros. Well, apparently my my wish has been granted, Kelsey, because uh, news as of 23 minutes ago, Chandler Rome <laughs> tweeted. The Astros just announced a press conference at 11 a.m. tomorrow at Minute Maid Park. Oh, hell yeah. We're going to find so, out. So Joe Espada, come on down. And if it's not Joe Espada, I swear to God, like, there will be riots in the streets. Riots in the motherfucking streets. How confident okay? do you feel about that? Like 90% sure? <laughs> um, I'm hoping. I'm really, I, I like, maybe, like, 73% sure that it's Joe Espada. Okay. Um, there was a report deep down hidden in a Bob Nightingale article. Uh, like yeah. that was like a throwaway one-liner that basically said the Houston Astros will um, upgrade. <laughs> Houston Astros will elevate Joe Espada from bench coach to manager. And is li- it was literally like one line in a fucking like wow in an article just okay. it was a throwaway and um so one of the other we say here in houston that he is like media i don't have a fucking clue what michael schwab actually is but if you say the name michael schwab to like houston people they'll they'll know who you're talking about but he doesn't i don't he doesn't have a podcast he doesn't like write for anybody but he is on twitter and seems to be plugged into all of the news I don't know how or why or where. I don't know. Like he'll probably block me after this, whatever. But <laughs> he he tweeted out like the before before we started recording, um, that you know the search is over and Joe Espada is the new manager and blah blah blah. But I'm like I hadn't I hadn't seen it anywhere else besides Bob Nightingale and I was like I don't know how much I really like trust all of the things that come out of Bob Nightingale's mouth. So you're you know word thumbs tweets i don't know so <laughs> and considering that like you know like passing hasn't reported it or like basically yeah. anybody else hadn't reported it, i was all we're gonna take it with a grain of salt until mm-hmm. multiple sources come out and and now apparently it looks like that joe spada is is our going to be the houston astros new manager and i'm fucking thrilled about that like awesome. i have been thrilled about it I'd, i've wanted him since like the very beginning and i was a little upset that dusty baker <laughs> came back not not the fact that like Dusty Baker, I mean like that too, but I was really sad that Joe Spotted didn't didn't yeah. get that chance like last season because he has he has um interviewed for a bunch of other managerial jobs. Okay. And and I don't I you know, I don't know if it was like a mutual thing like he didn't take it or you know, like the clubs didn't want him or you know, whatever. Uh but he has literally been through every single era, like with I mean not every single, but like he's been here through the like Lunau area like with yeah. a hinch you know like he's been here after the Lunau era with like you know click and 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 dusty and then like crane and dust like he he so the fact that like he's been here through all of those changes mm-hmm. makes me really feel like okay like there's no way that he would have been able to weather this storm without having um like the the wherewithal and like the know-how to be like okay like i really feel like jim crane was like okay like uh, joe i love you uh you know but we're gonna give dusty another chance like yeah. just just stick around like it'll stick be yours at some point just just hold on you yeah. know 
And um, in in game five, so uh, I apologize for all of the non-Astros people that are listening to the podcast, but here it is. So game five um, of the ALCS, Dusty Baker got thrown out. And that was that whole Brian Abreu throwing at Adolis Garcia, benches clear, mm-hmm. that whole um, debacle. And Dusty Baker got thrown out. Dusty Baker does not normally get thrown out of games. Very, right. very few times does he ever get, get heated. And also, very, very few times does Dusty Baker pinch it. Like, I, I want to yeah. say that it is a very rare thing that Dusty pinches before, like, the ninth inning. Like, wow. Okay. Like, yeah that's that's old school that's and he plays the same he plays every game the same way regardless of like i one of the things i heard him saying when he was being interviewed before the alcs was it's it's the same as any game we're just here you know preparing exactly the same way and i was thinking like there is some there is absolutely some merit always to consistency but it's not the same as every game and, and not recognizing that and taking a different approach in certain ways. Like that was the biggest difference in the conversation that I was hearing from Dusty Baker to then Bruce Bochy. They have a lot of similarities, but that was like one of the biggest differences in their approach specifically in that series. But I think overall and what you're saying completely aligns with that. Yeah. So um, like I said, Dusty hates, hates pinch hitting for people um earlier than like the the bottom of the ninth inning with like two outs like it's it's the running joke here that that's that's what he does and so he uh Jesse Baker gets thrown out and immediately and when I say immediately I mean like literally immediately um Jeremy Pena is pinch hit for him we're all uh, what what Jeremy Pena being pinch hit for like what's what's happening so Jeremy Pena gets pinch hit for never I say never I want to say like one time Jeremy Pena got pinch it for the entire season one time wow okay jeremy pena gets pinch it for with yiner diaz and we're like what was ha- what and i will i hand up that that's on me was like what what the fuck are we doing why is yiner diaz our r- star rookie catcher here pinch hitting for jeremy pena when martin maldonado is still on the index circle like what, what's happening uh martin maldonado sits down and john singleton comes up he works a walk and we're like, mm-hmm. you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> so you're, so, you, so Yiner Diaz gets his first base hit of the entire, like in the entire postseason. Okay. Cause the, the boy did not get any reps and I felt very badly for him. Yeah. Finally gets his, his, his hit. So he, he's on first John Singleton works a walk. Now we got two on Jose Altuve comes, comes up and hits a three run bomb. And we're like, oh, the rest we're losing our money. Yeah. And I was like, there's absolutely no way that Dusty Baker is making these calls. There's just, there's none. Yeah. There's, there's no way. I was like, Joe Spada is over there. Like, let's go, motherfuckers. Come on. We're pinch hitting. We're pinch, we're, we're, go- we got this. And afterwards, he, uh, Dusty was interviewed about like you know like what well who who was making those decisions like what who was pulling those strings, and he didn't fully come out and say that it was Joe, and he didn't fully come out and say that it was him. He basically was like you know we 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 tried to plan an inning ahead, and we know what the yeah. situation. <laughs> we know, we know it was Joe. It was Joe Espada. Like let's come on now. So let's. Uh, Oh no, that's that. 
I was I was excited because I thought like the Houston Astros had like retweeted. Oh something. yeah. It was not. not it was not. It was about a the Diamonds Gala or whatever. So it's that's not it. Well, yeah, so because watching the national broadcast, which is what we have to do for better or for worse during the playoff games, I was watching then and there they were not talking about that from the aspect of like the managerial difference that clear. I mean, listening to you talk about it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so (laughs) obvious what happened there. And would that game have ended the same way if Dusty Baker was not thrown out? It's very easy to say, yeah, you don't think so, but we would have heard probably the Houston broadcast alluding to that and talking about that, but yeah, the national broadcast doesn't, you know, follow those storylines or see the nuances of each team that way. So that's yeah. really interesting. So hopefully by the time we, next time we record, uh, it will actually be official that Joe Spada is our new manager. And I'm, I'm super stoked about that. Like, he, I think he marries the best of both worlds between player yeah. vibes and analytics because, um, you know, we, we had, we had, we had one that went too far overboard this way. And then, you know, and I think, I think Joe has a, has the respect of the players, um, but B also has the respect of like the front office, you know, and mm-hmm. will, will, and will accept the information from the front office and, and use it the best way possible as a, yeah to recently that wasn't used utilized greatly um and so i think i i think it's it's a great hire and i'm like just kind of wishing that it had gone quicker i don't know i don't know if maybe the the astros were like doing their due diligence or like what the fuck but like he's right here like joe spot is like y'all don't see me like i i'm right here guys is this my turn yet yeah no okay so um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they just didn't want to rush into it. I don't know. But apparently Dana, Dana Brown are, I don't know. I don't know if he's, I don't know actually what title. Dana oh my Brown gosh. General manager, president of baseball ops. I they all have different titles and I'm all, do, do they have the same general responsibilities? Like, can we just not yes. get one name for all of them? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> but um, Dana Brown saying that he has a great relationship with Joe Espada. And I don't know if he, I'm not. I'm not, this is just, you know, Susie's speculating. I don't want to say he had a great relationship with Dusty Baker. Like, obviously there was some contention there before because Dana Brown coming out to the media and basically yeah. saying, oh yeah, no, we want, we want Yonder Diaz to get more reps. And then, you know, like next game, Dusty Baker still doesn't have Yonder Diaz in the, in the game. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a week later, Dana Brown saying, yeah, you know, we're, we're trying, we're really trying to get Yonder Diaz in that lineup. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see Yiner Diaz in the lineup. And then finally, finally, you start seeing Yiner Diaz in the lineup as like the DH. And you're all, why? <laughs> why the DH? Like, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to find him. We're trying to find him spots to, to get some, to get some ABs, you know? And so you could kind of, kind of read between the lines and you're like, all right, well, maybe, maybe Dana's like, all right, fucking like, you may, you may not be able to like, <laughs> I may not have any power over you, but, uh, you know, just saying that if I just release this to the media and the media has to ask you day in and day out about why you're not putting Yanner Diaz in the lineup, maybe you'll put Yanner yep. Diaz in the lineup. <laughs> They're communicating know. through the media. Yeah, basically. Susie so, speculates. I like that as like a segment. Susie speculates. Yeah, that's, Susie hey, you know what? Say that five times fast. No, thank you. I'm not going to try. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, so I think we are going to wrap this episode up. I'm so, so stoked that this was episode one um, of Kelsey being like my official co-host. And-, and before we wrap things up, I want to wish you a very happy birthday because that is one thing that is official. You have completed another year around the sun. So cheers. My birthday. You. you weren't drinking bourbon, but no. it looks like you did enjoy an ice cold spiked lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. Spiked lemonade and um, studying. My 41st birthday was lit as fuck. I know all of you are jealous about how hard I party. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a nice quiet evening here at home, studying, watching Hallmark movies and drinking a spiked lemonade. It was delightful. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, good. I'm officially old. I love that for me. So well, the Astros hopefully yeah. got you a little bit of a belated gift here. And yes, yes. We'll look forward it, to circling back we'll, on that next week. We will make it official, official next week. Um, and with that, we will uh, wrap up. If you have not given us a star, five-star review or left a um, five-star rating or given us a written review, please, 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 I beg of you to go do that. Um, subscribe on YouTube. I also, we would also love that. Um, don't give us any constructive criticism though, because there is nothing that we have to improve upon um, because we are, we are perfect. And um, also uh, I won't probably be taking any of the criticism with a grain of salt. I, that's not, I'm never wrong. So I don't know. I don't know why you would even do that. I'm just saying, I don't, um, but with that, we will, we will wrap up and I hopefully will have all kinds of more hot, more hot stove news. There we go. Um, within the coming weeks. Um, and if not, then we will just have an hour-long conversation about where Shohei Tonic will go and why. And we will just beat that. We might have to drink some spike lemonade then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was going to say bourbon, but like that's real early on a Sunday morning to like. Yeah, there's no bourbon in my coffee yet, but. I mean, maybe. Okay. So, all right. Well, um, and with that, we will say goodbye and good night and yay.